0: We want to welcome you to the New Song Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs. We love receiving your prayer requests and comments at newsongcs.com. Thanks for listening as Pastor Stephen Hibden shares an encouraging word of God's love. About God's impossible love for us. More specifically, Jesus' impossible love. And I believe that it's not a... um, not a like a building stone to something else. It's not like uh, we're building a house and this is like the ensuite suite of the house. It's, it's not a, a uh, an addition. This is the house that we're talking about. We, uh, it seems, oh, I know about love. I know everything about love. But I believe that if the church um, believers would under, really understand a simple concept, we'd go a lot further than we are already. And um, this series of talks is what we are about, it's who we are about, it's why we do what we do, it's how we accomplish what we accomplish. I thought about not telling you what the series was about before I did this, but I I started writing, and um, sometimes I... I'm not the greatest writer, but sometimes I think I have some pretty good stuff, right? <laughs> and so I start writing, and it just keeps rhyming, so I'm just going to read this for you, and it's about the secret uh, subject that we're talking about today, although I already gave you the answer, and it says this, the subject is grander than any other that a poet or teacher cannot uncover. I started there, and I was like, whoa, it's rhyming already, and then I thought I'd do just a couple sentences. It get th- I just kept going, so the whole sermon's going to be like this, no, just kidding, but just part of it, part of it. Cynthia's like, please don't make it. It's good, though. you like it. It, it, I could, it could be about you, but it's not. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. A writer or preacher barely scratches the surface in a million years of its purpose. It's the greatest subject, according to Paul, according to Jesus. It's above all. <sighs> Do I sound like Drake right now? It's the beginning and ending of discussion, reaching the heart's The hardest it's touching. The subject you wonder what it could be, it was displayed on that tree. Soul and spirit, heart and mind, always piercing yet hard to find. In a world of jealousy, in a church full of heresy, we explain away, neglecting the fray. With religious spirits, we'd rather pray. Instead of showing with our actions, we divide our churches into fractions. The subject you may have figured out, it shouts from hills very loud. As people long for someone to care and show what Jesus came to bear. I'm almost done, okay. But calling the topic, the cross is, is fine. Calling it Jesus is God-defying. Called the greatest among the gifts, it transforms and will certainly lift. Without it, all will seem oh so wrong. A banging symbol, a clanging gong. Have you figured out what I describe? In terms, words cannot provide. The meaning, the worth, the length of its reach goes so far, too far, too deep to preach. Would you turn to chapter 13 of John, John chapter 13. I'm going to read probably six places today in the Bible. Um, Just stay with me. Uh, Listen, not because of what I have to say, but Jesus wants to speak through me today. And the scripture says this, one that we all know. John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35, it says, A new command I give you. He's basing. He's saying, you know, you got ten already. You got ten commandments. Then you messed it up and turned it into like a million. You know, they, they have like um, 700 commandments in the Hebrew walk that they took from the Ten Commandments. Now Jesus says, okay, a new one, a new one I give you. It's not new, but it's kind of new. Love one another as I have loved you. He basically basically says, I'm summarizing everything with this. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. He repeats himself because he knew Bill wouldn't be listening. So, Bill, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know in Colorado Springs, in Denver, in Pueblo, in name your town, all over all will know that you are my disciples if you, Bill, love one another. I'll make a number of blanket statements today that aren't meant to offend, but on the other hand are meant to be quite offensive, I believe. I think that Jesus did that at times, and the entitled message is, The World's Greatest Crime. Not that Bob or David or Cynthia would ever do it, but there is a crime that is greater than any other. We're going to talk about it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time right now. I pray for all those that are in the children's ministries today. I pray that you would anoint those teachers, anoint those leaders. I can only picture two right now. I picture Tony Tony and Leslie that are so faithful. I think they've served in the nursery for a million years, and they can't it can't be always easy. It's got to be hard at times. I pray that you would just bless them today. As you bless us, as we listen to your word, and I pray that you would speak through your Holy Spirit to each of us, including me, that we would hear something new from you today, that we walk out of this place different than we came in, or else it would be a waste to come here today. Let us be different. Do you want to Do you want to leave here different? Amen? Say amen. Amen. Um, I want to ask you to explore what you believe about love what do you believe about love that sounds like something you would say at a concert what do you believe about love um sorry how you think it should play out in your life how should love play out in your life i've heard it stated that we the church the religious people the christians they used to call us the pharisees they used to call us the yeah you know i've heard that christians are guilty of the world's greatest crime. The world's greatest crime is not that men sin. It's not even that we, s- the sin itself, it's horrible. But it's not the greatest crime. It's that we don't show men the way to be forgiven. We might know ourselves, but we don't show others. I might say it this way The world's greatest crime is that what we show them about who forgives is not an accurate depiction of who he really is we'll stand and we'll point fingers at the world at what they do wrong and the crime is that we're not showing them who jesus really is you know what he did in your life you're forgiven tell them that is our greatest crime i lived in la for many years um Orange County, and there was often religious events at um, Anaheim Stadium, and one of the biggest was called the Harvest Crusade. Um, Luis Palau would do something there. Greg Laurie, all different ones, would come there and fill the stadium. They were awesome events where they would tell people about something that's wonderful, Jesus. They would tell them about Jesus. But every single time, I don't even have to use an example of hate from a gang or from a uh, sect that's against uh, a certain race. I'll just go right to the Christians, all right? I'm just going gonna, gonna to talk about them. I go to the stadium where newsboys are singing, and Chris Tomlin is leading worship, and Greg Laurie is telling people about Jesus dying for their sins. And you walk in, and there are people with huge signs saying, you're all going to hell You're all going to hell. Do not go in here. There's men grabbing families and saying, don't go into this thing. It's crazy. What they're saying in there about grace is not true. You're going to hell if you listen to this. And it's like, oh my goodness. Seriously, this is the best thing you can do with your time is talk bad about God's grace, God's amazing grace at that. But that's, what the world often sees of us. We'd say, well, we'd never do that. But at oftentimes times, we can portray, portray Jesus. We can portray, P-O-O-R. <laughs> we can poorly portray Jesus to the world. And we say, well, I can't be Jesus to the world 24-7. I have moments. I'll go into a restaurant, and they don't take my coupon, that's a moment, right? Cynthia reminded me of that the other day. She's like, hey, aren't you talking about love? You'd think Steve could never get mean, but I was like, I'm going to show her. We got buy one, get one free. Come on. Yeah, so I, I stopped. I stopped right there. I I made, I, I, I yeah, but what you are challenging, what I'm challenging us to do is be like Jesus. Walk as loving as him. Walk as compassionately as him. All the time. That's impossible, you might say. That's an impossible love. I can't do that. I I, I don't have it inside me. We, we do have it inside us, but I, I would say, I, I'm supposed to say right now, yes, you do. You can do it, but I almost wonder, can we? Can we do that? Oh, thank you. I hope we can. We're right. We call this the impossible mission because Our goal is not to be normal. Our goal is not to do attainable things. We need not only look to Jesus to see that to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit is not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. I see you have your bulletin. I want you to open it if you have one today. I think we uh, made—we had 40 left last week, and we only made like 100. And so I'm thinking— People get their bullets. Right in the middle, right at the top, it says, inspiring our community to do the impossible. I want to inspire us. I want to inspire a movement who doesn't just read about mountain movers, but does the impossible themselves. Jesus moved mountains. He did miracles. How did he do this? I can't, I can't give you that step-by-step, but let me just look at one scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus did something pretty amazing. He had just got done healing all kinds of people. And it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Oh, this part is good. And healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, here's the key. Here's the key that sometimes we have trouble with. We want to be mountain movers. We want to do the impossible. We want to see miracles. We want to be on 24-7, be Jesus. But this is hard for us. He had compassion on them. Everybody get a pen and come up here and circle this right here. Compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep. Without a shepherd. Often the Bible says that phrase. He was moved with compassion. Compassion is a love for those who are helpless or a love for those who are homeless or a love for those who are vulnerable or a love for those who are hurting. Oh, there's a lot of all of those right here in this room. There is a love called compassion that we must all have. I want to Look at it just a little bit closer. The Hebrew word for compassion, you ready? Ready? Is rock Rock'em. Okay? Or you could say rahm. The Greek word for compassion is zomai We must have zomai Do you know what it means? It means to show love and mercy and compassion. We'll come back to it. But if we as believers perceive ourselves as loving, but our neighbors, our neighbors around us, our literal neighbors and other neighbors disagree, then maybe we are not showing splagnizomai. Maybe we are not showing that to them. That's what propelled Jesus forward when people got healed. I mean, it was love. And you say, well, I try that. And it, but do we really love? Like when we pray, I'll pray for you. Prayers coming your way. Prayers, you're you know, I'm guilty of this too. I just do the prayer sign on my phone. Prayers, <laughs> don't even say any more. Are we really praying with love and compassion that drives it? I call some of our love at times not splagnezomai, but I call it a performance list. And this is what I mean by that: when we try to defend. How loving we are. Oh, look at me. Give me a big hand clap or a pat on the back. Look at the list of actions I've done because love is a verb. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I show love to everyone around me. It's not just a word. Look at the list because what we have done to this year to love, to do love, when we miss the point of what Jesus called us to be be love so how do we display this love this impossible love that's the goal we're communicating through this and i won't communicate it fully but the holy spirit will there's a number of things i can think of check your judgments at the door that's one show them to the door to jesus that's two and open up the door with the power of the holy spirit in you working that way i can't talk about all of those i'm just going to talk about one of them and that is this leave your i'm going to tell this to him because he's coming in late just kidding leave your judgments at the door and i don't mean back there i mean somewhere that you're never going to leave you you're done with them leave your judgments at the door jesus is the best example of this anywhere he loved people all the time Matthew chapter 9, you can look at the screen and watch as I talk about someone that he loved and he did not judge. It says, when Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with them. It's actually would be the same as if we all got together. There's many sinners that would be among us. But this was not just any kind of sinner. The tax collector was the worst. And Jesus hung out with them. And it says in verse 11: When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does Jesus, the teacher, eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to the New Song church, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, granted, we are the sick at times, but there are those around us that are even sicker. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I'll come back to this. I'll close with this, those last words there in a little bit. But many will take this as a license. Oh, Jesus hung out with sinners. Well, I'm going to go to the bar and hang out with the sinners. Maybe you can do it and and not get drunk with them. And maybe you can go and to uh, get get stoned with people and tell them about Jesus. But you're getting that's not that's not what he's saying here. He's saying. Go hang out with sinners and show them splagnizoma. Show them something different. Instead, believers spend more time at Bible studies. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we spend more time at Bible studies complaining about, you know what, what we need as a church. No one said this, so I'm just trying to say something outrageous, but we do things like this. What we need is a is a swimming pool. We need a swimming pool right in the middle of the atrium. We, take our, we waste our time talking about what we like like that instead of thinking about those who are out there drowning around us. We need to spend time with those who need a doctor. Let me ask you a controversial question today. What is your reaction when you hear about somebody like Bruce Jenner? Some of you would be like, "Nothing. I have no idea who that is. I'm, I'm 12. <laughs> I'm 15. Bruce Jenner was on every cereal box of the weedy weedy cereal box when I was a kid. He was an Olympic athlete. Have you heard of the Kardashians? It's the Kardashian's dad. All right. If you don't know, that, you know what he did. What do you think of when you think of somebody like Bruce Jenner? First of all. I want to encourage you to think about it, that it's not a him and us, or an us and them, all of them. It's an us, all of us and him. That's what it's about. Yet we say, oh, well, we're on this side and he's on that side, and I'm I'm better because I'm not a sinner. Yes, you're still a sinner, too. Our first words to someone like this might be repent hold up a sign you can't come to my church repent. instead of love that might be our first thing because we need to let them know um well this is what i this is what i think i want you to know what i think and this is what the bible we want them to know i use this example because we think it's extreme but we judge people for far less we do your family members Your friends. Your husband, your wife. I want to tell you this is not a series of message about tolerance. You could go all the way, one way or the other. Oh, tolerate everyone. This is not a message asking us to throw out truth and righteousness. If you read our web page and it talks about who we are, it talks very clearly that we stand up for truth. We stand up for righteousness. This is not a stance on a certain sin. I want to tell you, this kind of person, you bet, it's not even that. It's about what David wrote, and I want to look at it. It's in Psalm 85. Don't zone out because I'm going to another Bible verse. I would just, just tell me, just give me a joke right now. I need, to stay, I need to stay engaged. No, I want to show you another Bible verse. Stay with me. This is what it's about. David prophesied it long ago. He wrote a bunch of songs, and one of them was called Psalm 185. It was a well-known song. It was a great name, Psalm 185. It was on every top 40 list. And it said this, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Stay with me. Clark the theologian wrote a commentary on the treasuries of David, and explained it this way, peace is given to your righteousness. Mercy is given to the truth. They met, am I losing you? Staying with me. They met when Jesus poured out his life on Calvary. Think with me for a minute. Justice, okay, justice comes from who? Justice comes from God. You're like, don't fool me on this. I'm not going to raise my hand. Justice comes from God. Does it come from us? No. No. We are called to love, paired with truth and mercy, pairing righteousness with peace. Here's the thing. We think it's up to us to make the peace. Oh, you see someone? Oh, I got to make the peace. Sinner, you're going to hell. You can never come to my church. Look at me. Look how great I am and how bad you are. Jesus was already the bridge. He did the heavy lifting for me. He did the heavy lifting for you. He's making the peace. You don't have to make it. We think we are supposed to do the heavy lifting. It's not up to us to pass the judgment. God holds the justice, right? He will do the justice. He does that. He does it really great. He's a great judger. We don't have to do it. It's not even up to us to show how righteous we are. Well, let me show you how righteous I am. Maybe it'll be an example to you of the way you should walk. Follow me. That's what you should do. Follow me, and I love you. Follow me. That's what Jesus did, didn't he? You're wrong. Follow me. No. He loved them. And then he might make a a mention to someone like Matthew, who he had at his house for dinner. One day he said to him, tax collector, you're so wrong. No, he just said, follow me. And Matthew became one of his disciples because of love. Jesus gives the right standing with God to us and them alike. It's not up to us to even show them the truth. So they know the truth. Look at my righteousness. Now, we do need to show them the truth, but you want to understand what, understand what I'm saying. Our first tendency is to love. We are... All like sinners, so we, so do we think we are better than them? We were just lucky enough to find Jesus first. I remember the first time, the first time, you know, I found Jesus a long time ago, and I met a lot of people after that that didn't know him, and that I had to lead them to Jesus. And the first time I met someone in our youth group who, who um, was gay, and they came to me and they said, "You know what? Um, I don't know what to do." And I thought, I, it was a long time ago. This is, a lo, this is 20 years ago. And I didn't, I didn't know what I was supposed to say. And then I thought about something before I spoke, thankfully. I thought about the person who came to me and said, you know what, I disobeyed my parents. And then I thought about the kid that said, you know what, I was at school and I was going to be a part of the Bible club. And then I was afraid to stand up for Jesus. And I didn't go. And then someone asked me if I knew Jesus, and I told them I didn't. I didn't know him. And I thought about that person. And I thought about another person that I met at, I, I, I went and saw him at, at, the, at death row. He was a teenager. He had been in our youth group for three years. He decided one day to go cross the street, kill a dad, and kill the dad's son with a hockey stick. He would be in prison for the rest of the, his life. I thought about them. And then I realized they're all the same. We've all sinned. I'm going to cut through here. All needed mercy, paired with truth, right? All needed righteousness, but they needed it paired with peace. And that's what I gave them. I don't remember what I said to that boy that day. But I do remember that I showed him love. My role and your role as a believer, Nate, would you come forward? My role and your role as a believer is to love, is to love. Let Jesus take care of the rest. Yes, you will have opportunities to disciple and things like that. But the world needs to see that believers love them. Not so that they think you love them, but so they realize Jesus' love an impossible love. Let me close with this. You know, after Jesus ate with, the, with Matthew and the tax collectors, and, um, and the Pharisees asked him, you know, what are you doing? He said this. I read it at the beginning. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn. Verse 13, Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. Go and learn what this means. I desire... From us. God desires from us mercy, not sacrifice. Are you listening? For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Sometimes I read a scripture and I need to read it in another version to help me. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna read in a couple of different ones. One is called the message version. It says this: Jesus said, I'm after mercy, not your religion. I'm here to invite outsiders. Not coddle the insiders, right? We, we all want to be coddled. I would ask you to write, I mean, uh, this is for another week, but if you're afraid to do it out there, at least start here. There's plenty of outsiders that come here every week and stop thinking about, oh, poor me, and think, oh, there's a mission field right before me and show them the love of Jesus, but also do it out there as well. The Living Bible says it this way. I love it. That Listen, it isn't your sacrifice and your gifts that I want. In other words, well, I read my Bible every day. That's good. I go to church every Sunday. That's good. I, this is my list. I do this and this and this because love is an action, and I do it with my life. Yes, great. But he says, I don't desire your gifts and your sacrifice. I want you to be merciful, for I have come to urge sinners not the self-righteous. Back to God. Well, I'm not self-righteous. I could never be that way. But sometimes we think ourselves better than others, don't we? And then last, last uh, version I want to look at is the NASB. It says this. I desire compassion. Remember I said I was going to come back to this. And not sacrifice. For I did not call the righteous, but the sinners. That word compassion... Guess what word that is? The same word, rockam, Splagnizomai. Oh I desire your love for those around you. Would you close your eyes? Bow your heads. Lord, we love you today. We love you because you first loved us. We're not so great that we have the love in us to, to love you like, like we do, but you loved us first. And we know love is not is the bottom line. Lord, I ask that you help us to be merciful, compassionate, inviting. Lord, I, help, I pray that you would help us to not be all about our religion first, but that we would about relationship. Lord, I pray for those in the room. If you're here today and you would say, oh, man, I have a little bit of self-righteousness in me. I would think that would be everyone. If you're here and you say, you know what? I have a little bit of judgmentalism in me. I judge at times. If you are here and you would say, you know, at times I think it's up to me to make the peace between God and them. And I need to let them know. So I make the peace. Leave the heavy lifting up to God. Is anyone like that in here? Don't raise your hand because I think it would be the whole room. I'm convicting you all. You're all convicted, and I'm in there with you. We've all at times been guilty of the world's greatest crime. And that is not the sin. I want to remind you what it is. Is that we don't show people the way to be forgiven. Or worse yet, we don't what we show them about Jesus is not who he really is. Would you search your heart right now? Talk to Jesus. You're here. Thanks for listening today. Remember, God wants to do the impossible through you and me. We encourage you to become a deeper part of what we are doing. Visit us at newsongcs.com and become a giver to the New Song Foundation and an investor in bringing this message of Jesus across the world. God bless you.